Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 204. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner, or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful, and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? I'm getting into the swing of things now. I'm batching and this is like the fourth one I've done. So I seem to be doing it a bit quicker and easier. You know, the bit that always stumbles me is the beginning. I hate the beginning. I hate just like saying the same things every week and just like, hey, how you doing? It really drives me crazy. Anyway, life as a podcaster. So this week we have a really good interview for you on a slightly different subject, which is cool. But before I start talking about that, let me just remind you that if you caught last week's episode about bringing on a team, that Jen, who I talked about in her course, is available, but it closes this week, I think. So we'll put a link back in on the show notes. Obviously, hopefully by the time you click it, it'll still be open, but it does close this week, I think. Okay, so this week I'm interviewing the lovely Dina Berman, and Dina is a PR specialist. So this is really interesting because we don't talk about PR very much, and it kind of got me a bit excited in terms of like, actually, what if? What if I could get some PR? What if I could get in Forbes? And we had a really good conversation about it, about the stuff that kind of holds us back, why we wouldn't do it, why we get nervous, why, you know, what if we think we're terrible writers, how do we even go about it? And Dina talks us all through that process in terms of just trying to get yourself out there, trying to get some quick wins, getting in like places and getting some publicity for your business. 
So Dina is a journalist turned PR strategist who works with entrepreneurs who struggle to take their business to the next level. She helps them do their own PR. So she doesn't do PR for people anymore, but she helps them do their own PR and leverage their media so they can share their story and help more people whilst gaining more followers, raising their prices and making more sales. You know, the thing about PR is like when you see PR and you see someone being featured, you can't help but think they're really credible. So obviously, depending on where they're being featured is a big thing. But for me, if I see someone being featured in Forbes, I'm like, wowzers, big deal. Like that is, that's huge. So she worked as a publicist for many seven-figure businesses um, and has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs learn how to do their own PR through her, too many Ps, PR Power course and PR Mastermind. She's also been featured as a PR expert, here we go, in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, The Guardian, BBC Radio, amongst others. So she talks today about looking at doing PR for your business, how it can work, even if you are a solopreneur, how you can get started. So I think this is going to be a great one for everyone just to kind of like open your mind to like, "Mm, uh, maybe I might try that. So without further ado, here's Dina. I'm really excited today to welcome to the podcast, Dina Berman. Dina, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm excited to have you here and talk about this subject. But before we get started with what we're going to talk about, I start the podcast interview the same way as I always do, which I'm sure is dull as anything now for my listeners. But tell us who you are and how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah, so I'm Dina and I'm a PR strategist. I work with entrepreneurs to teach them how to do their own PR so that they can get featured in the press and how to leverage that media coverage to really grow their business. So my background's in journalism. I started out as a journalist and I did that for about 10 years. And I was working as a commissioning editor at a national newspaper supplement. And then I was freelance and writing for lots of different publications and writing for most of the kind of... um, national UK newspapers, lots of magazines. And I started my business. Initially, it was a side hustle. I wanted to uh, diversify. So I started doing PR and copywriting. Um, And then it was around 2015. I'd had my eldest child and I kind of came back to work. And I just had this kind of renewed sense of purpose. And I decided that where my passion really lay was actually teaching others how to do their own PR. And so I have worked as a publicist myself as well. I've worked with a lot of kind of um, seven, um, multi-seven-figure business owners to do their PR for them. But my passion is really in helping entrepreneurs learn how to do their own PR and to do it in a way that really positively impacts them and their business. Yeah, love it, love it. So I was just saying before we got on that, I don't think we've had anybody talking about PR, which is interesting. Like... Obviously, I come from old school marketing degree, worked in marketing all my life. And marketing and PR were two very separate parts of a business, weren't they? Just because they are two very different things. And I found, I'd be interested to see what you think, that as the world has moved on and marketing has changed and social media came and digital marketing, that PR and marketing seem to have become a lot closer in terms of where they're sat in a business. 
Definitely. I think like PR and marketing work so well together. So if you're someone who's like posting a lot on social media, then once you start doing PR, it gives you content to share. And like you, you have like this extra content that you can share on social media. But equally, when you're pitching to different places, if you can say, you know, you've got an Instagram following or something like that, then that's really helpful when you're pitching. So I think they both feed into each other really well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation because I, I don't think that business owners and solo business owners think for one second that they can do PR. I think yeah. that they think, and possibly I do as well, that either you've got to have a PR agency helping you, or if you're not big and have a big story, then people aren't interested. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally like, those are the sort of objections that I hear like so often. Um, So, so many people will be like, I just want to outsource it all to a PR agency. And I get that because we're all so busy, like doing a million things. But honestly, like a decent PR agency is usually going to be about five to 10K per month. And if you're signing up for like a year long retainer, like that's a big expense. Mm. Um, But not only that, when you get to the end of that year, you don't have any knowledge of how to do it yourself. So you either have to like sign up for another retainer or you're kind of left floundering. And so I have clients where even if they know that ultimately at a certain point they want to outsource it, it just makes so much so much sense for them to learn how to do it first, just so that they have that understanding of how it works. And, you know, to be able to uh, get started with PR yourself, you don't need to be super well-known or have a big following. You honestly don't. And I've, you know, I've worked with entrepreneurs who are generally sole traders and, you know, across a whole different range of industries. And, you can get PR in so many different ways. There are so many different media opportunities out there and you don't have to be, you know, you can get featured as an expert. You don't need to be the leading expert, the top expert, like in the, because people think, but you know, there's someone else doing what I do and they're more experienced, but actually like a journalist, this is the thing. Journalists need experts to quote. Journalists need people to share their stories. They need case studies. They need content. And especially, I think, because I've come from that journalist background and I know what it's like, like when you're on a tight deadline and you're like, oh my God, I need to speak to a relationship expert. If only I had a relationship expert, if only I had like a marketing expert who could like give me these quotes. And so you're actually helping a journalist out when you get in touch with them and you're like, I can share tips with your readers on this, or I can share my story about this. Um, It's it's helpful to them. They, They need, you know, business owners that can that can genuinely help. And I think like, I don't know about you, but like so many people I speak to, they feel kind of funny about calling themselves an expert. I think that's something of female entrepreneurs. It's like a bit of imposter syndrome. And actually like we're experts. We know our staff. Um, Most of us have spent like, you know, we we might've trained or we've spent years doing what we're doing. And like, we're, we're experts, especially for journalists that don't know our subjects. And I think you're right. You said it before, and I've read it in a book. Uh, Denise Duffield Thomas said it in one of her books that we're not we're not professing to be the only and most expert voice. All we're yeah. doing is putting our take, our thoughts, our experience and knowledge into the group of conversation. We're not yeah. saying that we are right and everyone else is wrong, or because someone else has said 
something similar, it means we can't say it. But you're right. I think, and also you said something else that was really important there, that we would often look at contacting anybody about us as a, oh, we're bothering them. without necessarily thinking no we're actually helping them we're actually providing a service and making their job and their life a little bit easier Um, and in my limited experience of PR so obviously when I started my agency and having worked in lots of other marketing places where we did PR the the truth of the matter was when we did PR we were helping them out because it was like, great, is that a great story we can use? I can just fill that space. Done. Brilliant. Yeah. Are you a, and for me, obviously we worked with, we had a PR guy in the team who had really good relationships and they knew him and trusted him and knew that when he put a story in, that it was worth doing in the same way he would say, I'm not going to put that story forward because it's not strong enough. And if I start putting terrible stuff forward, they're never going to post my stuff. So, so yeah, I think thinking at it as it from a, a helping point of view and you assisting them is so much nicer. And if that gives you the confidence, then that's the way you need to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it literally is like a mindset shift of thinking, like going from thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to be like bugging this person and it's going to feel so awkward. And I'm going to be like, Hey, write about me. And if you literally come at it from a, like, how can I help the journalist out? And also like thinking about the audience, like, what's going to be really valuable for them? Like you could share like a really inspiring personal story and people are literally going to read that and feel motivated, inspired, or you're going to share like some really great tips and advice and it's genuinely going to help the people that are reading or listening or whatever it is. So I think it's it starts with that kind of mindset shift. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's go back to basics a little bit. Let's talk about why first off, like... And I'm fairly sure I know the answer to this, but let's let's have a chat about why would they even consider PR in the first place? So I think there are so many benefits to PR. And I obviously am like evangelical about PR. I think all business owners should be doing PR. But I think that you get something from PR that you don't necessarily get from other types of marketing. So I think it is really, really powerful for expert positioning. Um, And one of the reasons for that is when you get featured in a publication, it's third party endorsement. So you are having that association with, say you get featured in Forbes. So many of my clients Mm. like are just, they just love to be featured in Forbes. And I've had lots of clients featured in Forbes. It's one of those places that comes up and it's such a recognizable brand And so just by being associated with someone like Forbes or Entrepreneur or Business Insider, these kind of big recognizable names, that's third party endorsement. It's like these publications are endorsing you. And that's really, really powerful. So even just, you know, we talk about having like the as seen in logos and it's literally the the strip of logos kind of on your website that says as seen in. But that in itself is really, really powerful. It's expert positioning for you it's it's a credibility boost because these publications are very credible they're well known they're well recognized they're well respected so just being associated with some of these publications can be really powerful for your expert positioning for positioning you as an authority in your field for boosting your credibility so that's one thing that you you don't necessarily get like from other types of marketing The other thing I love about PR is that it sticks around. So Mm. when you have an article that comes out that's online, it's there for people to find months or even years later. And I've had 
people get in touch with me where they found like something I wrote on, I don't know, like Huffington Post like years ago because they were searching for a particular topic and it came up. And you get that kind of evergreen aspect to PR, again, that you don't necessarily get with, say, I don't know, like Twitter, where it's so quick. I feel like something like Twitter just moves so quickly or a lot of social media, it kind of hangs around for a couple of days and then, you know, it's on to the next thing. And with PR, it's there for a long time for people to find. I think the other thing about PR, the way that it works in terms of, you know, being able to kind of grow your business you can use it obviously to get in front of a new audience. So you have places like any of the sort of, you know, national newspapers, like I think the Daily Mail, their circulation is something like a million readers per day. And then online is just crazy. It's, it's, I need to check what the most recent figures it's, it's in the mid, like tens of millions. I think it was like 52 million unique visitors a day because it's global as well. It's like big in America, it's big in Australia. So when you're looking at the numbers of people that you're getting in front of or somewhere like business insider, they have, I think it's 60 million unique visitors. It's just like crazy numbers. So it's amazing for getting in front of a new audience. And obviously like you, you want to be aligned. So you want to think, what are the publications that it makes sense for you to go in, like yeah. not just to be in one, you know, just because it's got a big audience, but thinking, well, what are your idle clients going to be reading? And then you can get in front of these like really, really big audiences. And that can be really powerful for things like building your email list, building your social media following. And I've had people that have sort of doubled or tripled their email list on the back of one particular article because it's going out to these really large audiences. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really great for that. The other thing that I think people don't always think about is it's amazing for deepening your connection and your um, engagement with your existing networks. So when you get featured in the press and you share that on Instagram or you put it out to your email list or whatever, those people get really excited. Like, you know, people get so excited, especially if you're excited about it. I find that when my clients are like posting and they're like, oh, God, I've just been featured in yeah. this place. Like your followers will love it. And I had a piece out in Forbes a little while back, and I had so many people from my existing networks suddenly DMing me, suddenly getting in touch mm-hmm. with me, wanting to book calls and things like that. They were already in my world. They could have reached out at any point, but that was the point where they were like, oh, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> this woman's just been yeah. my card in Forbes. And um, I got like a paid speaking gig on the back of it. Like you get these opportunities suddenly appearing, but it's not necessarily always from like new people. It's actually people that are already in your world and it mm. kind of just really engages them. So I think that it's amazing for building the know, like, and trust factor, which we all you know, want to have with our followers. Um, and it's amazing for getting you in front of new audiences as well. Yeah, I love it. So many good reasons. And one thing that was interesting is when you said, obviously, it's evergreen, it sticks around. And it is funny because you go onto websites and it says as featured in. Often, I don't necessarily check. I mean, it would take someone with some pretty low morals to put that they're featured somewhere that they're not. But also, you don't ask when. You don't go, well, that was three years ago, so that's not valid anymore. It's still, like, I still use the fact that I've written for Social Media Examiner as social media only site. Because I did. So I I don't say, oh, I did it last week. I did it a couple of years back. But the point is, I did do it. And that's that's the thing that matters, really. So, okay. So 
One of the reasons I think, and, and as we talked about, why people won't go for it, and people listening to this, like, I would love nothing more than to be featured in Forbes. Like, honestly, Business Insider, I'll have that too. Uh, Huffington Post, yes, please. Like, all of them. There's a few things stopping me, yeah. which I should imagine stop lots of other business owners. One, it's Forbes, Huffington Post, and Business Insider. These are not small, like, publications, Two, I wouldn't have the faintest idea where to start. And three, I don't think I'm a particularly good writer. Now, I write all the time. You know, I write for my email three times a week. I write on social media. But I feel like, and and I guess coming from a background in marketing, PR was always one of those things where you have to have a particular style. So I always said for a long time, I don't write PR because I'm not a PR writer. So because journalistic writing is so different from kind of everyday writing. So, so how, like, let's say I wanted to go to Forbes or I wanted to be featured in Forbes as a solo business owner, what do you do? So, um, yeah, it's really good points that you've brought up there. So in terms of, you were saying like, you know, there's such big places, Mm -hmm. like how can you get into them? I mean, the thing is you, you can definitely build up to it and not in a kind of, oh, you have to take a long time to do it, but just get featured in a couple of places first. And then you've got, cause there are always like, I work with my clients. We have like the quick wins. We look for what are the quick wins? Where can we get featured kind of quickly and easily? And so if you can do that, and then you've got some, it's almost like social proof to be able to show them, oh, here's a couple of things that I wrote for this place and this place. It makes you feel more confident as well because you've already been featured somewhere. And this works also not just for like writing, but, um, you know, things like uh, radio interviews or podcast interviews or anything, really. If you start with something or maybe like starting with local press and and then going to national, for example. So if you start with that, start with something that's going to be a quicker win, an easier win. Um, it makes you feel a bit more confident. It gives you a bit more experience. And then you also have something to show for yourself. So you can show like, like, oh, here's an interview I did on local radio. You can, lit, you know, sort mm-hmm. of um, let them listen to it. And the same with an, any articles that you've written. You can say, you know, here's a couple of things that I've written. So you can definitely um, build up to it. Still, like I say, not, I don't want people to think that it has to take a long time. It doesn't, but yeah. just like do a few things first and like build up to it. And then it's really about with, the writing thing you were saying, feeling, you know, not feeling like you're the best writer. I think that we can often be quite like harsh on ourselves and think that we're not doing a great job. And the fact that you're like putting content out there and putting newsletters out there, like you can write, you know, and I think that sometimes it's a, it's a bit of a kind of mindset thing because journalists don't need you to be a perfect writer. They're not hiring you actually as a journalist. It's just Mm -hmm. that you are kind of providing content for them. So I just had a piece that I wrote for Entrepreneur Magazine and they send you an email and they say, oh, our editor's working on this for you. So they have editors that will work on the, it's part of the process. And it doesn't mean that, you know, they don't like what you've done or anything, but they want to get it into the shape that they have it. And they um, also, they... Americanized, you know, a lot of what I'd written and that's fine. They want to put it into their style and it wasn't, they do that with everyone. It's like, that's part of the process. So most 
publications will have an editor, they'll have an editing process. You don't have to provide like perfect copy by any means. The other thing is sometimes there's ways to be featured where you're not having to write the entire article. So with something like Forbes, sometimes the journalist will actually email you some questions. They'll do it. It will be an interview, but like on email. So they'll send you um, questions. I I had this for a piece that I did. They send you questions on email and they um, you, you sort of answer the questions on email and you're providing maybe your top five tips or something like that. But it's, it you know, you're breaking things down into like tips or bullet points. This is the other thing. You, it doesn't have to be like essays. Mm. When you're ba- breaking it down into like your tips or your bullet points, it's quite straightforward to do. So that's one thing, even if you're writing the article yourself, if you can break it down, it's it doesn't have to be like a stream of consciousness. So that yeah. feels a lot less intimidating because you're just writing like you're, your tips or your different little paragraphs and things. But yeah, sometimes it might be that you do an interview on email and then for being in a newspaper or a magazine, they would actually just interview you on the phone and then you don't have to write anything. So happy days. Um, (laughs) but, um, But there's so many different ways that you can be featured. And so you don't have to be, they're not looking for like professional writers. You don't have to be a professional writer. And they're very used to dealing with like business owners um, and people who it's not their job to write. But if you've been like putting content out and things like that, then probably you've got a really good grasp of writing anyway. Okay, cool. So how do you build the relationships? And is it about relationship building? Or how do you, like, how would I even find a journalist from Forbes that might need something from me? So I think that, like, on the one hand, it can help to sort of build up relationships. And a lot of journalists are on Twitter. And that can be a really good place to kind of connect with them and just engage with them a bit and get to know them and get on their radar. Um, But equally, you can cold pitch journalists and you don't have to have the relationship there. Like it's because a lot of people think, well, it's fine if you've got all the contacts but you can you can send cold pitches and you know i've done that and my clients do that and it does work so for finding journalists a lot of it is like doing that research and searching for people online a lot of journalists you're going to find them like if you're looking for magazine journalists you can look within the copy of the magazine and they're going to have a lot of the writers kind of listed in there or if it's an online publication or digital publication a lot of them are going to be listed online and so yeah most journalist details you know there's ways you can kind of you can find them by doing a bit of digging doing a bit of research and definitely you can you can cold pitch journalists and they're used to that and they're open to that and this is where you need to be seeing well what can I offer them of value and Mm -hmm. and what's going to make them want to talk to me and engage with me but you don't you don't have to know the journalist beforehand okay cool so uh let's say I've done my research I found the journalist you said that they're very used to getting cold pitched which is quite nice to hear actually because you know that is a scary prospect for anybody but what's going to make me and anybody else doing it stand out because if they're used to it they're getting it a lot so how on earth do you 
pitch them that goes, hey, look, you really do want to pay attention? Yeah. So I think kind of thinking about uh, like I say, what can you offer them that's gonna that they're going to perceive to be valuable? So looking at you know the types of things that they're publishing and thinking what can you offer that's going to be a really good fit for that publication and looking at maybe the types of topics that are quite popular. Is there a topic that lots of people are talking about or that's a bit of a trend or a bit of a talking point? Thinking about things like that, what's going to be popular or interesting for their readers, for their audience, and kind of thinking about the the people that are actually going to be like reading or listening to this, like what's going to be good for them. Mm. Yeah. And I think from a podcast point of view, that's what I look out for. I look for do you understand who I serve? Do you understand the type of content I've done? And therefore, is this a good fit? Because I have people pitch me, and I've said before on the podcast, I probably get easily one a day, if not more now. Yeah. And and some of them, you and I read them all, you know, and it takes time. This is time out in my world to make sure, you know, who I'm looking at. And some of them I look at and I'm like, you have absolutely not looked at who I am or what we yeah. talk about. You know, you're you're pitching some, you know, thing about manufacturing marketing. And it's like, yeah. no, that's not me. Obviously, I do not yeah. do that. So yeah. I think that's a really good point. Are they swayed by, you said before about, um, you know, and everyone listening to this is thinking, all right, Teresa, you're literally just like planning out your own PR strategy here. But I'm helping you all. You see, I'm asking the right questions. And yeah. if I happen to turn up in Forbes in a few months' time, and that might yeah, be this <laughs> We've all got to get benefits out of this podcast, you know what I mean? Including me. So, so you talked about the fact of like, obviously giving them in some examples of where you've been in other places. How, mm. like one thing that I don't use enough and, and funnily enough, I'm doing some pitching onto some podcasts for me at the moment and some big podcasts, which would be amazing. And the one thing that the person helping me was like, you need to talk about the fact that you're a TEDx speaker. You don't speak about it enough. Like how much does that other stuff come into it? The fact that, you know, you've spoken in certain places, you've featured on different podcasts, you've, is that all towards the kind of credibility that actually you are who you say you are? Yeah, definitely. And again, I think the things like the TED Talks, it, the PR and things like TED Talks feeds into each other. So if you are, um, I've had clients that after they, like after I've worked with them, they've been featured in a few places, they've gone on to do TED Talks. So I think it can be helpful if you're applying to do something like a TED Talk to be able to say, I've been featured in X, Y, Z. And then it works the other way. Once you've done your TED Talk, you can use that um, when you're pitching to places because it, it that's such a, you know, a, a credible, again, it's a credibility booster. It's an, a thing that positions you as an expert. So yeah, it works the other way as well. That helps you when you are pitching the press to, to show that you're an expert and that you're a credible person. Definitely. Cool. And what about like some unique ways? So one thing I've talked to audience, my listeners, my members before is about like standing out in different ways. So for instance, I get asked all the time how I got Amy Porterfield and Pat Flynn as my first two interviews, because these guys are flipping massive. Yeah, um, amazing. And I said about, well, that was extreme. I took them for a coffee. I flew literally the other side of the earth to then take them for a coffee and they offered, which was amazing. But from that point on, 
I then did video DMs to different people. And it's really hard to say no to someone's smiley face when they're looking at you, even though it's on a video. So things like videos, things like I get lots of one sheets, which to be honest, they're a bit dull most of the time. So mine's like um, the one I have personally that I sent out is really beautiful because, you know, it's part of my brand. And I've got my speaker page and my website. Like how much would you recommend that if they're going to do that, that, you know, maybe just putting together a Word document with just their their highlights in, how much better is it to go to that extra effort, maybe get something designed, maybe put a video in there, maybe do a personal DM? Are they going to stand out or are they going to do not think it's going to make too much of a difference? Because it is a traditional and more traditional kind of platform, isn't it? You know, whereas I was pitching to people who use social media, so videos work really well. So, yeah. Just that thought in mind. Yeah, I th- I love that that you kind of did that for the podcast, and I think the video messages for podcast hosts work really well. So I would mm. definitely recommend that for podcasts. Um, yeah, having your um, one sheet or a media kit, which is essentially the same thing, and just making it look pretty. Like you can do that on Canva, you know, yeah. and just make it look nice and professional. That's definitely good for podcasts, maybe for um, like sort of, there's a lot of digital publications run by entrepreneurs, kind of online magazines. So again, because they're used to sort of the online space and social media, I think it would probably work for something like that as well to be able to send through um, a one sheet or a media kit um, and potentially do a video as well. I think for pitching like, newspapers and magazines in general just the straightforward kind of email pitch tends to work I think because journalists say on a newspaper or on a magazine something like that they are receiving lots of pitches and I suppose they it's easier for them to kind of scan through an email and know what they're getting rather than having to click on the video and kind of wait and see Mm. Obviously, if you're doing anything like pitching for TV or anything like that, then having like a showreel where you've got examples, especially if you've done like speaking gigs, even if you haven't done any kind of specific, you know, video work or, you know, you haven't done TV before, but just to be able to have like an example of you speaking, that's really helpful. So having like a little showreel put together can be good. Um, if you are pitching TV. But yeah, I think with the video, it's it's really great more for the kind of online stuff and the and the mm. podcast. And then for the more traditional media, probably the more Be traditional. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? I didn't even think about TV. I'd love to be on TV. <laughs> and I, do you know what's really funny, right? Ever since uh, COVID hit and all these people were being interviewed in their homes, and I was looking at them like, what is that setup? That is terrible. Yeah. 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 Sake. Like, you know, I have this set up all the time. Yeah. Because I work and do an online business. Like, I couldn't imagine what I'd have to do if I was going to be on TV. Like, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. We're so used to it. And I think that it opened up the playing field in, uh, in a way because it made it not just people that could get down to the London studio or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like, well, anyone could like dial in on Zoom. And so, um, yeah. Absolutely. It makes you realize that like, like you say, you're so used to kind of doing stuff on Zoom and being online, like you are going to be more prepared for doing an interview for TV than someone else who may be an ex 
expert at what they do, mm. but they haven't had that kind of Zoom experience. Yeah. And so, again, pitching to TV, similar thing, is it? Like, you know, obviously speaker reels and speaking and that sort of thing. And, and I guess the other thing that I want to say at this point is like, some of you might be sat there like, are you actually kidding? Not a cat in hell's chance am I going to go on TV or am I going to go on a podcast? And that's absolutely fine. Like you pick, and I'm sure you'd agree, Dina, like pick the thing that is the most comfortable for you. Yeah. I mean, I think like stretching your comfort zone is good because I think Mm, everyone feels a bit nervous. And so, um, but if it's kind of like, it's going to make you be sick kind of thing and you just hate the idea (laughs) of it, then like, no, don't do it. But I think also that's the beauty about like there's so many different types of media and you really can choose what works for you. And um, kind of like you were saying before about the writing thing and thinking are you maybe like underplaying the fact that you probably are like a decent writer or is it like maybe like sometimes I have clients who are dyslexic and so they would maybe get someone either to um you know, proofread their article or edit mm-hmm. their article and you can definitely do that. Or maybe just focus more on doing speaking things and podcasts so you don't have to write because actually writing feels like a massive chore. Um, but equally, if you are someone that doesn't want to be speaking or definitely doesn't want to go on screen, you don't have to do that. There's so many other ways to get featured. So I think, yeah, like stretching your comfort zone is mm-hmm. good and it's good to feel a bit nervous, uh, but don't do it if it's like, you know, if you don't want to, you get to choose, you know, mm-hmm. where you want to pitch. Yeah, we did a um, a challenge in the academy. We do a challenge every, sing- every other month. Because one thing that online stuff is, you know, online stuff is brilliant, but you need to take action. And that is what I'm totally about. And we just did this challenge. Obviously, by the time this episode comes out, it would have been some time ago. But we've just done this challenge called the Get Seen Challenge. And it was all about getting in front of people and other people's audiences and the task on day five so the biggest task they had to do and I always the last task is always go big or go home so they had to pitch to put themselves on a podcast um on a stage or a featured article like a guest blog or something and my objective with them wasn't necessarily to get them featured my objective was for them to get over the fear of actually doing it and I said if we get a no you've still won like 100% well done you've put yourself out there because I think so often and as you said right at the beginning it's a mindset thing so often we're like we're not the expert we can't do this we can't if someone says no that's a direct reflect on me and my quality and therefore I don't want to get that no. Well, there's a million reasons why someone might say no to an article or to you featuring somewhere. But the whole thing was, you've at least just got to ask and put yourself out there. And some of the results were phenomenal. Like the fact that they asked and then they came back and went, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Like, and they were blown away. They didn't think for one second they were going to say yes. They would never have had the guts to do it. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this at all, it's like just, try like literally what's the worst they can say no yeah like that's it absolutely yeah I I love that I love that kind of like you say like just doing it in itself just sending the email in itself is a win like that's Mm -hmm. success and I I think that's amazing I mean there there is part of doing PR is going to be I don't want to say being rejected I don't like the word rejected but it is going to be that you're sometimes going to get a no 
or you might just get no reply. This happens like you send something out and you get no reply. And, you know, it's part of it. And like you say, there are so many reasons. It's like they might have just run something similar or they they have just like filled up all of their pages for the magazine Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's just so many reasons. And um, there's always something else to pitch. (laughs) You can always go back and pitch something else. And that's the other thing, isn't it? Great point that you made there. Just because they said no once doesn't mean it's a no forever. So again, like, you know, I tell the story about when I asked Seth Godin to come on the podcast and I've asked Brene Brown, like Brene Brown, she interviews Oprah. This woman is massive. (laughs) And I pitched and I was like, can you come on my podcast, please? I think you'd be amazing. And I tried to stand out. I did something a bit funny. I was like being quirky and, you know, just, just as I thought, I know this is the biggest stretch in my life. So I'm just, I've got nothing to lose. But they came back and said, no, she's very busy writing a new book. So I went back and said, that's cool. When would be a good time to come and ask again? And they were like, just try again in a few months time. I'm like, brilliant. And I will. And persistency pays, you know? So even if you've had a no, like unless they've gone, no, you are particularly not good for this or you're never going to get a yes, then, then like you said, there's lots of reasons why they've said no that time and they might not say no again. And the fact is yeah. they know you exist now, whereas, and and that for me is massive. Like, so when I go back to Seth Godin again, when he's got a book to launch and he'll want to talk to me, you know, yeah. I'll go back to him and go, Seth, do you remember me? Like, you know, the fact is at least they, and, and when a journalist is sat there going, who have we got that is a mum who works in social media that, you know, happened to start a business in a terrible way? Oh, wasn't there that woman who, you know, you just don't know, do you? So, yeah. Is it, I often say things are a numbers game. So my, and, and it comes back to this taking action again, right? So when I talk about goal setting, when we do goal setting, we do a quarterly goal set thing in the membership. When we do the goal setting thing, I get them to set their goal, i.e. I want to be featured on 10 podcasts in the next quarter, but then I get them to set the action goal, right? So the action would be, I'm going to ask five podcasts each month if I can go on their their podcast, okay? And when we look at the end of the quarter and we go, did you achieve what you wanted? We don't look at the goal. We look at the action. Did you reach out to five podcasts? Whether you got the actual interviews is another matter. I mean, if you didn't get any, then we look at how are you pitching and who are you pitching to? But is it, like I said, what I would call a numbers game? Is it a case of, right, I could sit here today and write three different articles based on three different things that I can talk about, you know, being a mum in business, starting a business in a terrible way, social media, mindset, whatever it is I might think I'm good at. If I wrote three articles, is it just a case of, right, I'm going to send those three articles to this publication, this publication, this publication this month. Next month, I'm going to send those three articles, as long as they're fit with them, to this one, to this one, to this one. Is it just a numbers game, do you think? Yeah, like to a certain extent, it is a numbers game because, like I said, there there are going to be the instances where for whatever reason, and it might be something that's out of your control, like they're just, you know, they're they're too fast scheduled in advance, so they're just not taking anything at the moment, or they've just run something really similar or whatever. Or it may be something that you are in control of, like you've just slightly missed the mark with your with your pitch. And so you can kind of go back and pitch something else. So um yeah, to a to a certain extent, it's about like you say, taking that action and just 
reaching out to enough people. Um, and then the, the, the only thing I would say about that is sometimes um, you'll get people that will say, write a press release and they'll blast it out to like a thousand journalists or something mm-hmm. like that. And I really don't recommend doing that. I recommend taking a really tailored approach. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a numbers game, but as long as you're being strategic about it and being um, yeah. kind of tailored with it and, um, you know, if you're doing like a kind of bespoke um, approach for each place that you're getting in touch with and um, you can definitely have common themes and so you can be pitching similar themes to different places but you're just sort of changing up a bit and tweaking it a bit then yeah like if you if you go through the process and you pitch people and you keep doing like you will get featured you just Mm. will (laughs) um if you if you just keep doing it and and uh, yeah as long as like I say you're you're sort of um you are kind of tailoring your approach and not just like bombarding a load of people um Mm. then you will get featured in it and it and it will happen and what also tends to happen when I'm working with clients is that you start to build up momentum once you've been featured in a few places. And so one of my clients was featured in um, in a newspaper and then she had a journalist reach out to her that had seen that article and was like, oh, I want to do a piece with you for um, this Sunday supplement because I saw, you know, your article on this. And so you'll find that once you start getting featured journalists then reach out to you um which is a really nice position to be in and so that momentum really starts to build and the other thing that can happen is you have particular articles that really um you have this like snowball effect um and so sometimes i've had clients where their articles have gone viral and they've been you know had their story told sort of in multiple different countries around the world or one client, she had a piece in a national newspaper that was really getting a lot of attention. And that got picked up by other journalists who saw it and wanted to interview her. And then it got picked up by journalists in other countries. She got invited onto a big radio show. Um, and it was this one story, this one piece, and it just kind of snowballed. And she ended up in like um, Japanese cosmopolitan. It was just like really went very far and wide. And she made a lot of sales from that as well. She, mm. She's a business coach. She signed up a lot of clients off the back of that. And you never know kind of which particular piece is going to, you know, be the one that that really gets that momentum. But the more that you can get consistent media coverage, so the more that you just keep going, just keep sending out pictures, you will get featured if you mm. just keep doing it. And then the more that you are featured, you get into that position where journalists come to you and it all just builds on itself. Um, And then you've got more logos to share, you Mm. know, and you can put them on onto your sales pages and everything. And yeah, it it really builds up and it's something that you, you know, you want to be doing on a consistent basis and it just leads to more opportunities. It's like, it leads to more press, but it leads to other things. It can lead to speaking gigs. You can, you know, I have clients who they got off their own radio show, they got off their own sort of no column and things like that. And it all builds up. But yeah, like you say, you've you've got to just be like taking that action and just keep doing it and keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. So good. Okay, one final question then. Previous to having this discussion with you, 
When I've been speaking in different places, sometimes PR people have spoken. And one of the things they talk about is journo request on Twitter, is that journalists will sometimes put a request out on Twitter set using the hashtag journo request. And there's some more, isn't there? Is there other ones? What are the other ones? Yeah, I mean, that's the main one. And it's really worthwhile keeping an eye on it. And that's where you're... Um, you want to be doing proactive pitching. You really want to be pitching the places that are aligned for you and the places that fit with your idle client. So you want to be doing that pitching. But when you're using something like journal requests, you're also being reactive as well. And so I would never just rely on that. But if you can do that alongside the proactive stuff, it's, it's really valuable because it's extra media opportunities and if you've ever seen it before they literally range from the sublime to the ridiculous you'll get kind of some really out there requests and it will be like did you have an affair with your husband's brother or something like that and it's kind of like not sure if you want to be talking about that in the rest but there's some really good stuff in there so it is about kind of looking for it and seeing what's coming up and seeing is there something that's relevant Um, That would be the main one. You do get people will use kind of like PR requests, but journal requests is the main one that I would recommend. I think it's you've got to have the practice stuff because the problem with it when I've looked at it is one, they get lots of responses. Yeah. So again, you're trying to stand out in front of lots of other people doing the same thing or asking the same thing. Two, you've got to keep an eye on it. Like this moves at the speed of light, doesn't it? You know, so I think I haven't looked for a really long time and you just inspired me to go and look again. But like, yeah. you know, it almost needs to be, if you are serious about PR and wanting to do it, it almost needs maybe like, you know, everyday part of your morning routine, you literally take 10 minutes and just scroll down and go, nope, nothing for me, thanks. Yeah. Because I was featured in a book once because of journal request, because they were looking for, I think it was the mum business owner. Yeah. No, went from like you took your skill and started your own business with it or something like that but anyway yeah um and I probably didn't do enough with it at the time because that's the other point isn't it once you've got this PR once you've got this publicity it's then about exploiting it I hate that word because it sounds like it's a bad thing um but Le- it, we like to say leverage leverage that's, a, that's <laughs> good I'm going to use that from now on um but yeah it's about sharing it on social, having conversations about it. Like my TEDx talk is in my scheduler and goes out every, I don't know, God knows how many weeks because it's like, yeah, I did a flipping TEDx talk. I'm going to keep talking about it. So yeah, it has to be this kind of, you know, it's not like just done, great, shelve that, move on to the next thing. It's like, okay, what can we do about that? How can we share it? How can we have conversations about it and and really put it out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you want to like capitalize on every piece of coverage that you get because it's a major thing. Like you say with the TED talk, when you get featured in the press, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so you definitely need to be doing stuff with it afterwards and, and leveraging it as much as you can. And yeah, really like maximizing each of those opportunities and being proud of it as well. Mm. Like it's, you know, every time you get featured, it's it's an amazing thing. And it's it's always going to be doing something positive for your business because people always want to know like what's the return on investment. And you know, you may get loads of new followers or new subscribers, or you may get direct sales, you mm. know, from the piece of media coverage. Um, whatever it is, it's it's going to do something positive for your business. And the more that you get the better because then you do build up that momentum and you do get um into that position where sort of stuff starts coming to you 
Um, and so, yeah, you want to celebrate like every piece of media coverage mm. you get. And I think that when you're sharing it with your followers, like they pick up on that excitement when you're kind of sharing something and being like, oh my God, I just got featured in this place. Mm. And, you know, I would love if you could like, you know, ha- have a read and let me know what you think. Like people get mm. really excited. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Dina, thank you so, so much. It's been so helpful having you on and talking about this. I do think there is a great opportunity for people that maybe they didn't realise before. And even if it's a, you know, we're going to do one pitch a month and that takes you an hour or two in your month, then I think that's probably worth just just doing and putting yourself out there because you just don't know, do you? So Dina, where can my audience, I'll link up to everything in the show notes, but where can they come and find you? Um, so my website is dinaberman.com and I've got a couple of free PR resources on there. There's a PR calendar to help you with your pitching ideas and there's a free pitch the press masterclass on there as well. Um, and yeah, I'm across social media, um, at Dina Berman. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dina. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. So has that made you hungry for press? Are you going to go and stalk your journalists and different places to go and talk to them and try and get publicised? It did with me. I was quite excited about it. And I was going to check out Dina's stuff and I didn't. So I'm going to do that actually once I finish recording this. But it is good. It's like the other people's audience thing. I've talked about it before, that it's a really good place to grow your audience to get seen where you're put in front of other people's audiences. And PR is a great way to do that. Okay, I will leave you to it. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, then please let us know. I'd love to know that. I love hearing from you. Uh, otherwise, it's just a bit lonely sat here in my office talking to myself. <laughs> so yeah, please let me know what you thought and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 